Today's episode is brought to you by Kangaroo. Kangaroo was created to ensure that everyone has access to home security. Every product Kangaroo makes starts with three questions. Is it simple? Can it be produced at a price that everyone can afford? And is it secure? With Kangaroo, you never pay for unnecessary bells and whistles, and you know that your data is going to be secure. The front door security kit is a simple setup. No tools or techniques required. If you have Wi-Fi and a smartphone, you can use Kangaroo. Go to heykangaroo.com to learn more and start keeping your home safe today. And be sure to use the code RINGDONG for 20% off any Kangaroo complete subscription order. Welcome to the Sports Talk Garage podcast, where we discuss and debate the latest news and hot takes from the court in the ball fields to the locker room and front office. We are four lifelong friends who grew up with a love of professional and collegiate sports. Today, we are bankers, investors, professors, and entrepreneurs, but our love of sports has never changed. Come listen for the fun, gain some insight, and probably a few laughs as we give you our perspective on those oversized contracts, game-winning scores, and franchise players. This is the Sports Talk Garage. Welcome, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 48 of the Sports Talk Garage Podcast. I'm your host here, as always, John, with my buddies Matt and David. How's it going tonight, guys? Oh, always exciting to, uh, you know, get a chance to talk and get a little bit of sports in. I think that, uh, you know, it's been a little bit tougher getting news just because there's very little going on as we see a lot of closings, a lot of changes happening that are not for the positive of the sports being able to be played. Uh, I think we're going to go back into another lull, which is going to be hard to, to deal with for the next six months. I agree with that. Outside of professional sports, really nothing is going on. Even professional is still dialed down. No fans. Even uh, PGA Championship was here in North Carolina this weekend, and no noise, no fans. So, interesting time. Yeah, we're in we're in a weird spot right now. And obviously, we you know we took the a week off last week because there wasn't a whole lot to cover. Uh, we kind of wanted to see what was going on with the NBA. Major League Baseball feels like every other day, you know, there's talks about them potentially shutting down because of some massive bit of exposure, um, you know, and uh, I felt it firsthand with uh, my White Sox had uh, part of their series covered uh, or cut, canceled with the Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals just can't seem to catch a break. They just go from, seems like one player or the other to the other. Um, so I, I don't know. It's doubtful if, if we're going to really truly get a 60 game season and what does the playoffs look like if we have any and all that fun stuff. But, um, we thought we'd come back into the studio tonight cause we actually, you know, we did get some sports news, not always, uh, some of it wasn't what we wanted to hear, but I think it's worth uh, at least talking about. But, uh, before we get rolling into that, just a quick reminder, you can find us on, um, uh, uh, Twitter and Facebook at Sports Garage Pod uh, on those platforms. You can check out our beautiful website that our producer Chris put together at www.sportstalkgarage.com. Uh, you can go on there. You can find more about us. You can see our recent tweets. Um, David's killing over there in, in Twitter land. Um, and uh, you can find about us. You can learn about the other podcasts that we partner with here in the Charlotte area, uh, trying to kind of, you know, really help each other out. And, and uh, you know, everyone is kind of specific on their niche and so, you know, why not help the, the Charlotte family grow and uh, kind of build out a, a blossoming podcasting group for your listening pleasure uh, and really be homegrown here in Charlotte. So definitely check that out. Just click on the uh, podcast app. Uh, you can see all of our uh, 
our, our uh, new uh, brothers in the in the podcasting game. Uh, and then, as always, you can email us at feedback at sportstalkgarage.com if you have some longer you know, thoughts you want to get out or, you know, some things you want to specifically for us to talk about in an episode. You want to get our thoughts on anything. You can DM us, of course, on our social media, uh, but you can certainly have that, that email option as well if that, if that suits you better. Uh, but yeah, guys, let's throw it. Let's uh, throw the green flag and kind of get into tonight's topics. Uh, the first one, I guess we'll let's start with the bad news first and then we'll kind of, you know, go from there. But uh, guys, what the heck has happened with college football? Uh, it seems like, we're down to what two conferences now that uh, everyone else is officially canceled or said that they're moving to spring ball, which I'm not really sure how the heck that's going to happen either. But uh, guys, what do you think? I mean, is this is the right decision? Do you legally, you know, we've got, uh, you know, well, you know, some players are talking about that they want to uh, file petitions and lawsuits to try to play. But I mean, overall, just the grand scheme of college football, what are you guys thinking on this matter? Yeah, it's kind of just uh, disappeared. Essentially, nobody's left other than the SEC, ACC, kind of Big 12. Every FCS, Division 2, 3, JUCO, and AIA are gone. Big 10, Pac-12 are gone, and even some other independents completely out. So there's not really much left. Some conferences have said, you know, you can go do a four-game schedule out of conference, play against each other, but nothing official. I think it's a matter of time until the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 call it as well. They're trying to hold out hope. Obviously, those are, you know, a lot of money coming in for those schools that they depend on for their athletic program. So they're trying to hold out, whereas most of the other schools don't really rely on athletic money as much outside of the Power Five. It's just a little icing on the cake for some of these smaller schools and conferences. It's not just that, though. I mean, other sports like cross country, golf, soccer, swimming, diving, tennis are also canceled. So while college football is the main one being talked about, Every student athlete who plays in the fall is being affected by this from conferences canceling. And I think it's really just a matter of time until we see everybody else outside of these few independents who trying to throw together a schedule at the last minute. And I don't really know how that's going to work. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I, you know, I saw today, obviously there's, um, you know, who would have thought that you get a bunch of college kids together and uh, let them, let them do what college kids do <laughs> and that there would be an outbreak of COVID-19, unfortunately. And we saw that firsthand here in Carolina, uh, the you know UNC had a, a I guess multiple clusters going on, but they announced today that their plan is to still play college ball, uh, at least on the on the football side of things. Again, the ACC is one of the two or three conferences left that are holding out hope. But um, I mean, from a moral standpoint and a kind of ethical standpoint, I I mean, I if, if there's anything out there, any conference out there, when I'm this first started dropping. I, you know, in my head, I said, okay, SEC and ACC are going to be the two that try to fight this thing to the bitter end, um, because it's all about, you know, college athletes. It's all about college football. It's all about, you know, that that grand trophy at the end of the season. And I just don't know if that's the correct mentality to be thinking right now, uh, given on what's going on in the world. But uh, I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Like, just from a, I mean, we're, we're talking about health, you know, and this isn't, you know, that we're 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 dealing with something we've never ever dealt with before uh we never even dreamed of dealing with and i mean in my mind i think some things are a little bit more important than college football you can't keep these guys in a bubble uh you know they're not paid athletes and things like that so it's one thing to do on the pro side but how how the heck are you ever going to keep these guys safe and everything with travel uh classes and everything else being remote uh on the college side well i'm going to completely disagree with you based on the nfl comment because 
let's think about this, especially in the power five schools, as you said, they can do classes remote. They could have a tutor that travels with the team. I mean, depending on what their major is, however, it's plenty easy to do that. Uh, at the same time, they are paid athletes. These are guys that are on scholarship that, uh, you know, I mean, I, I can't tell you guys what it's like when your coach says you're on dorm restriction at 10 o'clock on Thursday night and Friday night. And if we catch you out past that, you know, your scholarships on, uh, on call here, or you're going to be paying the price for being out for whatever reason. I mean, we better, you better hope that you were down the hall in the bathroom, not, you know, out on the town. So, you know, on the bubble sense, I honestly, I think that, uh, Nick Saban was right on point along with several of the other coaches when they started having their conference uh, uh, get-togethers with the coaches and the athletic directors and all those guys. And Saban came out and said, he goes, look, and John, just to your point, you're talking about the college students at UNC that already have caused by off-campus parties and all these other things. You're talking about putting a bunch of athletes under control. These guys know what's on the line and if they want to make it into the next step of playing, I mean, they're just playing because, you know, this is their last thing. College was the final step. They, you know, those are the guys that may opt out. Maybe they just want to have their senior year. But at the same time, for the guys that want to go to the next level, they need this. They have to have this. And those are the guys that aren't going to be out partying and doing anything stupid. If the coaches and the doctors and all those things come together and say, you need to be locked into this bubble they have them at practices together. They get tested together. They can herd off whoever is sick and trace and do all those things. Now, could that hurt the team? Absolutely. Same with any major league sports team right now. It could be any given Sunday. However, again, against your point, they can lock them down. They can put them into a bubble situation to where the only thing that they're meeting outside instead of them going to – uh, parties or houses or friends' places or whatever, they have the ability to lock them in and say, look, you guys are being tested 72 hours before a game. You guys are in the football dorm or the football housing. You're not allowed to see anybody outside of that. And if we catch you doing that, you can say goodbye to whatever they want to pull. It's just like the NFL. You want to hurt a man, you hurt his wallet. Hey, look, you're not going to play this game because of X, Y, and Z reason. They already know if they get tested positive, they can't go to practice. They can't infect the rest of the team. And that's not yeah. even anything they can control, but they can control their environment. But I, I see what you're saying there. But on the contrary side, you know, we have pro athletes that are getting paid 50, 60, 70, 80, $90 million a year, you know, over the course of their contracts. And we, we've seen issues where they can't keep themselves controlled and they're out partying and out doing super stuff, out at strip clubs and everything else. Um, and then coming back into practice. And yeah, if you're, you know, you're testing a guy three days ahead of time, I mean, we, we are seeing some more of these you know, quote unquote rapid tests, but I mean, if you're testing, let's say every three days, a lot can happen in three days. You could, I mean, as we've seen in major league baseball multiple times now, you could affect an entire team over basically going out one night. So, and I, from a scholarship standpoint, yeah, I know that they have some more, you know, quote unquote control, but I mean, from a like legal standpoint, there's also some things that you know you you can't 100% mandate. And you know how are you going to handle scholarships if you have a guy that wants to opt out or feels like he needs to opt out? You know, you can't drop a scholarship or something like this. Like you, you know, there's a whole lot of I think legal ramifications on this. I just don't see 
And it's not just I, – I think maybe you could get a bubble of your specific team, but it's not just that. You're dealing with – you know, you're traveling. you got airports. you got buses. Mm-hmm. you got ref- – you know, especially in the football. You know how many referees are, you know, there for – and officials are there for a football game. Um, you know, all the medical staff, everything that logistically has got to go into the, to the stadium, even if the stadiums are completely empty. You see there's a lot of stuff that's got going on, a lot of moving parts. I just don't know how they're going to do that at the college level when you got guys that you're not paying them. I mean, yeah, you talk about the scholarship, but, I mean, the, these guys aren't getting paid. You're asking to risk a lot, I think, uh, the more and more we learn about this yeah. stupid thing. I think the thing that really hurts football is the pure numbers. You have, granted, if it's a home game, 100 guys might dress out in a away game, maybe 50, 60 dress, but coaches and staff, and there's just so many players going and – like you said, with the hotel, you can get there, but you don't know if the maid service cleaned the room effectively. You don't know if the elevator was cleaned or the bus is being transporting back and forth to, you know, the campus, to the airport, the plane. So, yeah, you can control your environment to an extent, but I don't really know. College kids are going to be college kids. They might not make the smartest decision one weekend and come back and affect other people. So one thing that you did say, Matt, that I'm not so sure about, you said for some of these guys going to the NFL or potentially going to the NFL, they need that game tape. If everybody sits out for a season, though, I think it's still a level playing field. Now, if one or two conferences play, sure, they get more game tape. NFL coaches are going to see that, and that definitely puts them you know, a level above everybody else who did not have the opportunity to. But if everybody's out, you're just kind of looking at, okay, are you still healthy? Do you pass medically? I mean, I okay, would... but you're you're thinking the top, you know, the top, what five percent cream of the crop that that you know are going to yeah. get into those first couple rounds. Minnesota's wide receiver Rashad Bate, Virginia Tech's cornerback Caleb Farley, Purdue's wide receiver Rondell Moore, Penn State's linebacker Micah Parsons. Those are all guys that have already opted out, but that's because they already know. I mean, they they're going to get a trainer. Mm-hmm. And they're going to lock in for the the rest of the year, and they're going to go to the draft, and they're going to be fine. But we're talking about the rest of the guys that this is their chance. Like the Mac, I was talking to a guy who played in uh, Division One college this last week, and he said, "Look, the Mac is what uh, when they kind of started the trend here, especially for uh, you know, let's call it the Midwest teams up here. Those are the guys that are going to get killed." Cause they're not going to repeat a senior season. Like they, you know, that's it. They, this was their time to shine to put in, as you said, the tape so that they can get looks by NFL recruiters. This is where they really show up to do that. Now you're, you know, what, what do you have left to prove? Like you've got last year's game tape. Well, you know, in that level, you may not have gotten the playing time you need to really show up and show out. So even if the rest of the teams, you know, decide to put off, are you really going to give up if you don't have to another year to that you could have been the NFL making that contract because let's be honest that's one of the few I would say that's one of the the limited number of sports where you can't play past certain age your body just can't handle it because of how big true so players I understand definitely want to play to get that game tape but as an athletic administrator how do you weigh the difference of safety for the entire team players and coaches and staff versus the guys who NFL do you keep going for those five, 10 people on the team, or do you hold off for the good of the whole team? Well, I think you give your NFL response. Hey, look, you can opt out of playing. You, you can opt out. 
we'll extend your contract because you're going to get paid based on your scholarship if you have one and you can continue into next year. I think the NCAA has to allow that since they already allowed fall sport or spring sports of this year. But I think you give these guys a chance to play. If you have parents and players signing petitions by the boatload to try and get their kids a chance to play and then you try to make it as safe as possible, you sign the waiver. I understand if I get COVID, the school is not liable. We will do everything in our power to keep you healthy, but that's it. Give them a chance. Yeah, I mean, that's like, yeah, I, I think they would have to do some kind of waiver situation just to cover their butts, but I but mean, legal, well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, here's what how I see this going down. I, I see, I think the only real team in the ACC that is really competitive, you know, from a football <laughs> standpoint is obviously Clemson. <laughs> The SEC Clemson. is a different story, yeah. <laughs> so I see Clemson pushing for this because you know they want an opportunity to to stay in the national limelight, and then I see yep. you know half of the SEC. Um, maybe these six teams or so should just have their own playoffs and and do whatever you know. Go lock these guys in a bubble somewhere <laughs> for th- you know right. four weeks and and have the shortest playoff on in history and just call a national champion. But right. the other thing I was thinking about is. And you guys know how it is with with the NCAA. Everything has got to be proportional and fair when it comes to the different sports. You know, male, female, and you know everybody's got to have an equal percentage representation. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though we know football is is the you know obviously the biggest money driver out there, followed by men's college basketball. But um, if you say yeah, okay, sure, the football team can play, then how like at that point, you know, anyone any sport that you said no couldn't play. There are going to be lawsuits like crazy. I imagine on that, you know, you got volleyball players that are suddenly going to be filing lawsuits and stuff like that because you can't legally say this these guys can play and these guys can't. It has to be equal in the world of of the NCAA. For you know, John, they they already did it. The NCAA already stated we're going to cut off all championships for fall sports except Division One football. Yeah, and I think there are going to be lawsuits for that. Honestly, I do. Oh, I'm sure. But they've already made the precedent. <laughs> Here's the thing: is that the NCAA is choosing people's choosing money, which they do in all things all over right. everything else, and now including, you know, the health of of eighteen to twenty two year olds. So that's where I, I think it gets sticky. And I think you know, if you're a female athlete or something like that, and you've got a, a gripe to the pool on this, now's your time because hey. if you got you got yourself a nice lawyer, the time is now to start filing yeah. some stuff because. You, you can't legally say, oh, yeah, it's, it's no problem for 100 guys of, of the Alabama football team to travel around the country and play football, but sorry, you can't go play volleyball or you I can't agree. go play golf, which is more social distance than anything on earth. Like, it, it, it can't yeah, work that I never, way. I don't no. understand that. There's, you know, at most there's two people together any given time between the player and the caddy. Right. So I I think they're, they're setting a bad precedent here. I don't know if the, if the conferences could – I mean, they all report up to the NCAA, so I don't know if they have any legal, you know, rights to do what they want. Um, you know, if if all the the Alabama teams want to play each other and call themselves the Alabama champions or whatever, hey. you know, I don't know what they're, but it, it, it's going to get sticky, I'd imagine. All right. So you said champions won. No, I thought you had a great idea. I, I think you had a great idea. Why don't you let these teams decide? Because uh, you know, for for college football, I'll. I'll call myself an Ohio State fan um, since Duke doesn't really play football. Um, <laughs> but, 
you know, for for the fact, except for like one or two seasons in their time. Anyway, so for the fact of of who they are, right? You've got Ohio State, Penn State, and Iowa. Uh, let's even throw in Michigan jumping the gun. I mean, Harbaugh's just dying to get his his butt reamed again. But, um, you know, let's just throw those guys in. The teams that want to play, whatever it is, if they're willing to sign the waivers, I think you get sit down with your legal team and say, look, how do we set this up so the school doesn't, you know, bite it if these people all get sick and have major problems? If you choose to play, the teams need to get together. The team They need to figure out how they do the bubble situation. As you said, maybe, you know, throw 10, 15, 10, 16 teams together that want to play out of the power teams. We're going to play a weird schedule, and then we're going to have a champion somehow out of the mix. So let's go with that champion. Let's say that happens, or even all three of these conferences still play. They play a full season. Somehow they come out okay, and they have a championship. Everybody else is postponing until the spring. Let's say they come in the spring. How do you determine who's a champion? Is it the person who won in the fall? Is it the team who went undefeated in the spring? Do they face off again at the end of the spring for the fall? Is there an asterisk? Does nobody win? Or is it like UCF last year who didn't win anything, but they claimed themselves national champions? I guess you could always go old school and just have a voting system to, to decide it, no. you know, like before, uh, you know, the bowl championship series. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe they play both. Here's the thing, though. Like, I don't see the situation being any better in March than it is in October. So, um, And that's the issue. That, yeah, That is the so, bigger issue here of why won't it be better, but – won't get into that. Okay. So let's let's use your example. John, let's let's walk that. As you said, I think you have a voting system because if you have the guys that are going to play in the fall, here's here's why this is a problem. If you play it in the fall and it's going to be several big teams, I suggest and you suggest, you have your championship out of those groups, right? That's just whatever we kind of get an idea. We had X amount of teams, here's the top two teams, they play together, everybody's happy spring are just because their their whole system locked them out they had nothing they could do so they played the spring but again it's not going to be the top tiered teams that or the top tier guys that are going to the nfl like if justin fields doesn't get to play in the fall he's not going to play spring he already said it trevor lawrence is not going to play spring those guys are going to go straight to the nfl draft So that's why it wouldn't matter. You know, the the top tier guys are not going to continue over to play in the spring. They just won't. It's going to be the guys, again, from some of the smaller conferences that need to get a look, need the game tape to get out there. But again, they're going to miss the limelight on some of the bigger games that they would play. Well, you know, college football really only comes down to four teams anyway. So maybe six teams stop. (laughs) So why don't we just have a committee? to look at the rosters and say, all right, well, here's the best six teams on paper. Just throw these <laughs> 600 guys in a bubble and uh, let's, let's get this done in a month and uh, let's go down to Orlando and do whatever and just play some football for a month. And then the NCAA will make trillion dollars off a TV deal all from it. And they'll all and be happy. happy. Yeah. Go down to Florida, freaking lock them away in New Mexico somewhere in the middle of the heat where there's no like, big something to do in town. Sorry, you guys are out in the desert. <laughs> Just area 51 to seven, that's all. Your, right. your entertainment is whatever video game system you bring, pay-per-view, 
and whatever you're allowed to feed them. I think was it North <laughs> or South Dakota has uh, the least amount of cases right now. Them mm-hmm. or like Montana, just send them up into the Montana mountains <laughs> and be like, "All there right, go, well, go for it, kids." You're, you'll be lucky if you get satellite TV. But here's your Xbox <laughs> and uh, enjoy your time. <laughs> if you survive the cold, you win. <laughs> right. Well, if we get to, if we get, can start playing this now, you know, we could wrap this thing up before it gets uh, you know yeah. zero degrees up there. So we're done by October. But uh, yeah, why not? All right. Well, I, I don't think this story is going to end. I'm sure it's going to be a talking point for future episodes of you know, of course, because of um, kind of everything else going on um, in the world of sports. But let's move on to I guess maybe some positive news. I don't know, depending on who you ask and what team you cheer for. But we got a couple of tight ends this uh, this week that absolutely got monstrous uh, paychecks um, between Travis Kelsey and George Kittle. I guess two things. What do you guys think about this? I mean, we're pushing every year. It seems like these, these, um, you know, especially on the offensive side, we're pushing uh, salaries just to an absolute crazy degree, um, just breaking records one after the other. Guys trying to top each other with money. We've seen it obviously on the quarterback side. It's getting kind of ridiculous. And now we're starting to see some of these other specialty positions doing the same thing. Um, but at the same time, like, are you happy if you're a, a 49ers fan, you're, you know, a Chiefs fan, something like that? Are you happy uh, that they're making these deals? And how do you pay for this stuff in the long run? Well, I mean, the two guys who really got deals are two of the best tight ends. So I have no problem with them getting a deal in the first place. But I feel that the magnitude or the size of it is a little out of proportion. Usually you go up, you know, a few percent higher than whatever the previous record deal was. But these kind of blew it out. Kittle with five years, 75 million, 40 million guaranteed is major record setting. It's 17 million more guaranteed than the last person, who was Austin Hooper at 23 million. And then Travis Kelsey, four years, 57 million, 28 guaranteed. So obviously two dynamic tight ends who can you know, play every down. They're vital to their team's success. But when you have Austin Hooper making 10.5 a year and then you jump up to 14.3 and then 15 a year, it seems a little out of pace like why not just go up to like 11 or 12 why do you have to jump up so much eating up cap space from other people i don't i feel like it's just like you saw quarterbacks do it so now we got to do it for tight ends and then it's going to be wide receivers next or some other some other area that's just going to say well let's just give them the biggest contract here set up for everybody else it's uh, well, weird too, i think that you've go ahead, i Matt. think we've seen the growth on the tight ends over the last few years uh, you know, and these tight ends just seem to get bigger and bigger. I mean, Kittle's what? 6'4", 6'5", 250, yep. and Kelsey's about the same. They're all standard um, giants. Gronk at the top. Uh, these are guys that can carry three defenders if they get, in, especially into the secondary. They can carry all three defenders back before they're going to go down. Um, you know, if they're running like a, a cover three option. So... I think it's just one of those things where this gets to be their time because we see a lot more end zone passing to these big guys. Um, you know, I think some of the tight ends that are really strong over the last few years, if they were these same guys age would be getting those same types of contract. Just again, th- this is where we're seeing the ball go quite a bit. The running game is getting a little harder to play with. So a lot of these guys are running spread. Um, or put twins out to one side, tight end on the other, you know, kind of put in a play option package, and it's real easy to dump it over the top to these big guys. 
So I, I mean, think it's just that, their time. I mean, neither neither one of these contracts makes sense to me. Mm-mm. But it's not not the fact that they got paid. I think to your point, David. I think it's the fact that they got paid so much because there doesn't seem to be any need to outbid yourself. I mean, no. especially with Kelsey. Let's be honest. Kelsey isn't going anywhere. He's got maybe the best quarterback in the game currently speaking. He's got himself a ring. You know, everything is going. They they're clearly favorites to you know come back and and maintain this dominant you know dynasty or started dynasty going on. I don't. You know, he's already getting paid amazing money. I don't see this guy testing free agency. No. I mean, he seems like a guy that truly just wants to win and play ball and, and get some rings. Uh, so I – either both these guys, honestly, I don't see either one of these guys testing free agency. Uh, I could see maybe like the, the 49ers, I feel like they would probably have a little bit more cap. Uh, and, you know, maybe – you know, they're – I mean, they're definitely – they're trending upward trajectory-wise. But I could see maybe Kittle testing it a little bit just because they're in a different, you know, slightly different spot than than the Chiefs are. But Kelsey, man, I, I think this is just like an ego thing. It was one of those like, all right, well, you know, it, you know, I think they were afraid it'd be a slap in the face if they don't give them some giant contract when other guys are trying to get it. Uh, I don't know. But I, I feel like it's obviously going to bite some of these teams in the long run if they keep this trend going because eventually, you know, this is a cap sport. And I know they had some really, really crazy legal, you know, twists and turns uh, on, especially the Chiefs. They're they're getting really creative in in their, uh, you know, Mahomes contracts, things like that. But eventually, you know, the you got to pay the piper, and you know, somebody's going to have to to get gone because you don't have the money in the cap to cover this stuff. So, well, is this is this their way of is this their way of doing the Miami Heat from what the mid two thousands and bringing in, you know, just kind of keep the power players in and see how they can last. I mean, we're only talking about four or five-year contracts mm-hmm. for these big guys. They're not the the 10 years. That is, all those guys took pay cuts to go play with the Heat. These guys yeah, are getting paid yeah, at the top difference. the top level. So, I don't know. Kill was making $1.96 million on his rookie contract. Now he's getting $15 million a year. That's a huge jump, way outpacing anybody else. So, I have no problem with him getting the contract. He's well-deserving of it, just... Kind of like you said, I feel like they're outbidding themselves just as an eagle. Like, hey, we paid him. Congratulations. Has the uh, the fine details of the contracts been leaked, David? I mean, do we know um, the guaranteeds and everything else? For Kittle, there's an $18 million signing bonus, uh, $40 million guaranteed, which is huge because the previous high was 23 And then for Kelsey, $57.25 million, 28 guaranteed. I mean, that 28, I guess that's not that bad. See, that's the thing. No. I feel like the Chiefs have gotten a little creative here. Uh, they've been smart. I mean, I, I feel like you need to be have a law degree to try to figure out the Mahomes situation. Um, you know, like after that thing dropped, I'm listening to I, – I was like, all right, maybe it's just me that doesn't understand this. And then I'm listening no. to, you know, ESPN Chicago, and uh, they're bringing in experts who don't understand the legal language of the Mahomes contract. I'm like, all right, well, I don't feel so bad now. Um, I thought maybe I just missed something along the way, but – uh, you know, they're branching into to all new territories. I don't know, maybe taking a, um, you know, a page out of the, the Premier Leagues and things like that, contracts type situations, and really getting creative and putting in some special language in there to incentivize these guys to, to sign the, on the mm-hmm. dotted line. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, good for these guys for getting paid. But like I said, I think the Kittle one, 
I, I think the 49ers are probably in a little bit better cap situation in the long run. Uh, but again, you've got some big guys on that team that are going to be expected to get paid very, very soon. So, I, I mean, both these teams, I feel like are going to be in a, you, we, you know, you need to win now and maximize it. Uh, but I, I don't, I don't know how it's going to play out in the long run. I would think some of these guys would be wanting to, if you want rings, you know, do what's best for the team. Yeah, I don't know how much money these guys think they're going to be able to spend while they're quarantined and they're, they're a bubble. But I, I mean, it's like, come on guys. <laughs> You're going to upgrade the 75-inch TV to an 85-inch. Here's something interesting. So uh, I was just kind of looking at something on Kittle's contract. His agent, um, Becta, I think is his last name, basically got the team to sign a contract without the what's called exercisable option bonuses. Uh, which generally gives management until April 1st to decide whether they're going to fully guarantee that season's salary or a portion of it for skill, injury, and cap, which are pretty commonplace right now. So basically, like, uh, the example given is, so let's say, like, Colin Kaepernick, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, some of these guys who have already signed deals with the April 1 trigger date, uh, essentially allows the team to peruse the free agent market each spring for potential replacements before deciding whether to commit to the player in question for that season. So basically creates a scenario where they can release a player in a free agency after most of the team have used up the bulk of their budgets. So like if San Francisco decided to go after Tom Brady uh, in free agency this past March, Garoppolo would pretty much be in limbo until the outcome and could have been cut loose after other teams had addressed their plans at quarterback. Hmm. So, wow, did he stick that one. That's a deal. These agents are getting smart, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, agents and GMs, honestly. I think they're, they're – both sides of it are, are playing, the, playing the game pretty well with some of these big guys, and uh, which rightfully so. They should be. You know, you should be uh, trying to get the most bang for your buck. And, um, like, that's the thing. Like, with Mahomes, again, that was like a, a giant contract. But when you start really, really getting into the fine tooth details of it, the the total number is outrageous. But when you look at the guarantees and everything else, and the injuries, I mean, they still got to pay him a stupid amount of money if he's injured. But it's you know, there's it's not nearly as like shocking and wow factor once you really start peeling away at the onion uh, of the contract. So I don't know. Uh, any last thoughts on on those guys before we take a break? Yeah, just hate for the next team coming along who has a good season with the tight end. They're expecting to get paid and can't afford it. <laughs> Whatever that's going to be, somebody's going to be out of a job. Yeah, we're we're starting the trend. Yeah. It's 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 on now. So let's just start lining them up to get their payday. Um, all right, well let's take a quick break. Thanks to some sponsors help keeping the lights on, and we'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, everyone, to Season 2, Episode 48 of the Sports Talk Garage Podcast. We're talking football decisions and a little bit of basketball tonight. Just got done talking about uh, what the heck's going on with college football and uh, you know what the future may hold for that, at least temporarily. And then a couple of guys in the realm of the pro football getting absolutely paid in the tight end position and kind of starting that trend that we've seen with quarterbacks for, for so long now uh, where it's just one guy getting paid after the other after the other. So it's officially begun in the tight end realm, and I imagine other positions are going to look to follow suit as well uh, until these teams run out of cap. So uh, let's get back into it, throw the green flag again. Guys, we, we mentioned at least one of these guys earlier. Uh, let's talk about Justin Fields real fast, you know, since we were talking kind of about the COVID game. 
Um, obviously signing a petition. Uh, do, you, do you guys, you know, to try to, you know, have college football back, have Ohio State back, uh, do you guys think there's any way in heck that, you know, avoiding what we talked about earlier, but just from the petition standpoint, uh, do you like the fact that a player is going out on the limb and kind of sticking his foot out there and saying, hey, I want to play? Do you think there's any way in heck that the NCAA is even going to make note of this petition? What do you guys think? So I I love it. One thing Matt mentioned earlier, Justin Fields doesn't need to play. He's going to be drafted very high and get paid very well. He already said he's not playing in the spring, so he essentially wants to play because he wants to play and win. So I actually took a look at his petition, and it had about 256,000 signatures as of 7.30 on Monday. So a lot of people are backing him on this, and I think it means a lot more coming from a player than a coach starting this or an administrator of some type. This is a player saying, hey, myself, my teammates, we want to be on the field. And, you know, tons of people agree. I don't really know if the NCAA is going to put any weight on this and say, yeah, you want to be out there and so do 250,000 of your friends, but we're not changing our minds because we want to keep the power because we're losing it slowly every day. Well, that's a good point. They they are legitimately losing power. It yeah. seems like more and more every single month. But, yeah, I mean, do they care that, you know, me, you, and Matt sign a petition? Like, <laughs> Who who are these guys? What 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 do they do? Why do they have any input onto whether people play college football or not? I mean, it's an. I, I think he would have been better off having the petition, uh, you know, focused purely on the athletes signing it, maybe like their immediate families or whatever the case may be from a legal standpoint, and for anyone you know with age and all that stuff. But I mean, I think that would have been a more. Uh, of course, everyone in the state of Ohio is probably signing this damn thing, because um, yeah. you know it's like what else you can do is watch Ohio State football. So, um, you know, and the same thing for a lot of parts of the country. I'm sure everyone in Alabama is signing this stupid thing. Uh, so I just – I don't know if, if that well, should really I think, play into thing. I think that's the only reason you don't see, uh, like, a Trevor Lawrence start a petition because they haven't been locked out yet, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody – Somebody went after Ohio at Ohio State, went after the football team originally, and they were like, Yeah, we're going to play. We're going to play. We're all set. We're going to go with this. And all of a sudden, the narrative changed 100%. So, you know, there's a reason why he started the petition. Um, you know, and I know that there were, there's got to be some other bigger names on that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Ohio State knows what they have and they want a championship. Sure. They should have been in the championship game last year. I don't care what anybody says. That was a rough call that upset the game. Now, did they win? No, but that gives them more of an opportunity this year. Now, um, as to the legal standpoint, you know, I think it's still a toss-up on, on what could happen off of this. But, you know, I told you guys a long time ago, I thought the NCAA was going to figure out some kind of way or, you know, whether it was cutting off all fall seasons – they want a chance to figure out how they're going to put the hammer down on athletes getting paid because they need that money. Right. And sure enough, two weeks ago, I, I'm not, I'm kind of surprised that they're all not shut down already. Cause two weeks ago, I think it was, they petitioned a judge to push off the pay to play system for, for at least the first semester. So I think this is just another play by the NCAA, as David said, to contain power and do we matter no do the players matter yeah because all it would take is a bunch of schools getting together and saying ncaa is a joke we're tired of that system we want a new one we're going to go somewhere else and this particular 
holds a little weight because of who started. I think Justin Fields is probably the most recognizable name, not just in you know football for his conference, but probably this athlete in his conference. So if a defensive end on another team for Penn State or a kicker for Michigan started this, it might not hold as much weight, but he's a big name. So I think the NCAA at least has to look at it, but like you said, they want to keep their power. So I don't think they're going to budge. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I I guess I'm I'm mixed on that one as as to whether they they should care or not. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, I think you you bring up a good point, Matt. Obviously, pushing back the pay to play, I think that's a big one for the NCAA. And then you know there might be there might very well come a time where some teams get together and say, listen, or conferences come together and say, listen, you know we're gonna go do our own thing. And you know, I guess if if you could sure. get enough people together to, to follow suit, then, you know, you Why could not? easily topple the NCAA out of feeling, um, you know, so that'll be interesting. Uh, on the other side, I guess a, a nice uh, comeback story, uh, kind of a feel good story that we could all use honestly right now is uh, Alex Smith cleared uh, pretty much to come back and, and play football uh, after, you know, one of the most gruesome, I think it, it's uh, the injuries that we've seen in quite some time, uh, honestly, an injury that almost cost him his life. Um, guys, Yuck. yeah. Do you? I mean, do you guys think he's? Is there any chance that he ever plays a memorable slap? You know, in the in the NFL, coming back. It's been a couple of years now since he's played. Uh, obviously, uh, health wise, it seems like he's on the right path, but he's getting up there in age. Um, I could see maybe a, a backup role signed out, which you know, who knows, an injury or something like that could easily push him right back into the game, but. Uh, without something like that, do you guys see any team taking a chance on this? I think he'll probably be on the roster for the Reds, or excuse me, the Washington football team this year. Definitely don't think he's starting. I did see a video of his family, you know, celebrating his coming off the pup list back onto the active list and just watching him walk around. It, I don't know. It doesn't look right. Even his doctor said that he does not have complete control of his foot yet. So I don't understand how he's able to move off, which I'm very glad for him because, I mean, he went through a horrible time through the last two years. But he's definitely not playing anytime soon. I'd say maybe a third string probably there to help mentor some of the younger guys on Washington's team and get them ready for what life is like in the NFL. But I don't see him playing anytime soon. Is this just a situation where, like, if you're him, do you just count your blessings that you're alive and – can yeah. walk again, even though it, you know, it may not be perfect, but you've got mobility back, you're alive, you're healthy. Otherwise, you know, do you look into, okay, maybe let me move into my next chapter. Maybe I've, I've got a, you know, QB coach, you know, something mm-hmm. like that in mind and with future goals of, you know, possible coordinator and things like that. Um, I mean, I, I can't speak for guys like that, but you know, a lot of, a lot of things in life have caused me to kind of count my blessings recently and uh, I wonder if he would do the same, but it's weird. Like I, I, I'd never heard of an injury like this before where we're talking about life threatening and I'm sure it happens all day, every day. And all the people in the medical field probably see this constantly. But I mean, I saw it essentially twice in two seasons with Alex Smith and then my bears, you know, Zach Miller. I mean, there yeah. was a, there was, we came out after the fact that, you know, after that, that injury down in, in new Orleans, I mean, there was a strong possibility that he could have lost his life that day as well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's crazy to think you don't you don't, you think head injuries, think neck injuries, things like that. You never really think about knees and and things like that being life threatening and how kind of uh, fragile, I guess, in the grounds of human things we really are. 
And it's weird for both of them. It wasn't just, you know, the breaking of the leg. It was the infection afterwards. And that really set in like flesh eating bacteria got sepsis and was very close to death. Even for Zach Miller. Yeah. That infection is what really almost killed him. So after coming back from that, I, I mean, I'd just be happy to be able to walk around, still have a leg, not have it amputated. So I hope he has a very good career, whatever's left of it, mentoring younger players. I don't really see him playing any meaningful football, but I'm happy for him that he's able to come back and at least as a player before he moves on to a coaching position somewhere. Yeah, I think he's a great guy that would be I think he'd be an excellent addition to a coaching roster somewhere. I think he's got a lot of things he could teach younger guys. I mean, he went through a lot of trials and tribulations and overcame a lot of, you know, honestly, as a player in his prime, um, you know, battling through a number of teams, things like that. So I, I would be, it'd be cool to see him go out on a high, but yeah, I mean, given the situation with you know the Washington right now, you can't you definitely don't see him being a starter. And uh, it's one of those things like, you know, does he make the team because it's a feel good story? Like, I, I don't know. Um, I don't, I'm not sure what his current contract situation is uh, as far as numbers go with, with Washington, but um, yeah, I think, Maybe it'd be nice to see him on field at least maybe at the end of the season or end of the game or something like that. We kind of close out or wrap up a, a career on field, something like that. At least get him a couple snaps at the end of the game on, you know, week seventeen or whatever. See, but, I think what I think what you're going to find though is I think he could get on the field again. I think he could make some things happen. Like I'm watching him right uh, right now inside of uh, a video the team took is just quick highlights. He's got good plant power off that back leg. Here's what I'm going to tell you. You don't get over that kind of injury almost at all when you step onto the field and go, uh, yeah, I'm going to go full go into this guy. Or, yeah, I have to step back up into the pocket. Don't run. Dude, your brain has got to be turning. Mm -hmm. I've blocked for those quarterbacks. When they take a few hits like that, it takes – yeah, it takes one heck of a, a mental lockdown to not be worried about that. Like, you know, going into practice, doing some stuff where you're wearing the red jersey, they're not allowed to touch you, no problem. You start getting chased around the football field, dude, you're going to slide before you do anything else. Get away from me, get away from me, get away from me. And I think that's what would keep him off the field. I think that he could recover from this. I think he's got the best doctors in the world and a lot of things that will bring him back. I think that there's got to be a mental aspect that's going to shut him down. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's going to be – I mean, you couldn't blame the guy for wanting to run for his life mm-hmm. um, when you've got 320-pound guys trying to take your knees out. So, yeah, I, I can't fault him for that. Um, all right, let's move on to our last topic of the night. Uh going back to one of the teams that, or one of the leagues that have gotten it right as far as all this COVID mess and, and with their bubble, uh, the NBA, they seem to have pretty much done everything right. Uh, they had a couple of player exceptions that are kind of, um, you know, outside of the rules, but the, the league itself, I think handled everything correctly. They've gotten their, you know, wrap up of the quote unquote season in, and now it's time to officially basically move into, you know, the playoff format. Um, guys, what do you think about, I mean, have you enjoyed the, the you know all day every day kind of basketball that we've seen and these really really random times that we've seen games being played and then how do you feel about the this bubble situation uh any predictions you guys want to throw out there for you know we got we got some good teams got some teams on paper that should be looking better than they are but Mm -hmm. some teams have struggled once they got into the bubble uh i don't know any any bold predictions tonight and so i i love the bubble i wish we could always have the bubble for basketball it's so 
it kind of reminds me of March Madness. Granted, it's not a one and done situation when the playoffs, but seeing games during the day, teams coming in. I mean, it's not like they're at the hotel napping. You just games from noon until almost midnight. So that's been fun to watch. Normally during the NBA season before this, I would watch a few playoff games. Once it gets closer to the championships, I'd watch those, but I'm very intrigued this year because it's a different set. There's no home court advantage other than just putting a, you know, a name on a court that doesn't really do anything with virtual fans there. So teams are going to be missing that mental edge of having their home team there cheering for them. There's some very good matchups coming. Um, in the East, I don't see much of a problem for the Milwaukee Bucks to make it. I think they're just too dominant. Other teams have some injuries. The West, though, is going to be very entertaining. The Lakers and Trailblazers, granted, it's a one and eight seed. But, man, that's going to go seven games. A lot of people are saying the Lakers will just dominate the whole way through. I don't think so. LeBron's good. Anthony Davis is good. But they have some missing pieces, and they're not very deep. However, I'm most excited about the Mavericks and the Clippers. I think it's going to be a very tough game, some very good guys on there. There's a lot of uh, potential stats coming out of this finals once we get to that point, which I'll talk about in a moment. But, yeah, it's, I like the bubble format so much better than just a normal season of games at 7 o'clock every night. Yeah, it's certainly interesting to to catch up. I mean, I'm still taken aback when I turn a game on, you look in the back, and there's these giant video uh, boards. screens <laughs> right and that's just kind of throws me off because you see the first like what two rows off the court are guys mm-hmm. wearing red shirts and masks and then giant screens everywhere and he's kind of that that's not that's... right but you know it's i guess it's kind of like watching having the nfl where you're watching well i guess it's you have fans and stuff that are coming across the screens and they've got all kinds of stuff which i would think would be very distracting but there's certainly something to it where I, I think that you also have, you know, the the ability for them to do playback on there, and it's really easy to let your eyes kind of drift over that way. Anyway, so it is very interesting to see what's going on. I have to agree with you. I think the Mavericks are going to be something special to watch, uh, kind of come from behind a little bit, maybe. Uh, I'm also kind of keep my when it comes to the East. I'm interested to see if the Raptors pull another one off. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. And speaking of the Raptors with Leonard, just a couple interesting stats. You know, if he wins, if, let's say the Clippers win this year and he wins the MVP, he'll be the first player ever to win that on three different teams. He won with the Spurs back in 14, the Raptors last year. And besides him, only two other people have won the finals MVP with two teams. One is LeBron with Miami and Cleveland and Kareem. So, I mean, he's already in rare territory there, but I wouldn't mind seeing him take that. So one other stat, uh, LeBron has 89 points away from 7,000 postseason points, which doesn't sound like a lot since he has so many, but no other players even reached 6,000. So he's already cemented himself as the top right there. Um, He very well could take over number one in games played in the postseason. Uh, One thing that really matters, though, once the NBA moved to a 16-team format, the winner of game one has won 78.3% of the series. So it's not always going to happen. Yeah, winning game one's pretty important. And playoffs started today. I watched one game a little bit earlier this evening. It was exciting. You know, even though there's no fans there, it's got to be weird for the players with it being so quiet, but it was competitive. So I think guys are realizing, you know, they're fortunate to still be playing. They can go ahead, you know, actually get a championship here. So guys are going for it, and I'm happy. Doesn't matter if there's an asterisk there. Rings a ring. No, your bonuses ring. are still paid out as your bonuses. That's, That's right. all that matters. So, yeah. 
Man, so yeah, basketball for the next couple months during the day. I'm happy. It'll be good to watch. For yeah. sure. Well, we'll have to follow along a little bit more with uh, the NBA as they start moving closer toward their close. Um, I think for now, let's go ahead and drop the checkered flag, David. Yeah. Uh, anything, final thoughts for this week or the next couple of weeks that you're either looking forward to or maybe want to see happen based on all the news out there? Well, one thing looking back this past weekend, uh, PGA was here in North Carolina. I was actually wanting to go to that. I was going to buy tickets, but unfortunately no fans were there. So I did not. Looking forward though. Yeah, it's so uncertain with college sports probably not happening. Uh, professional, it's still fun to watch. Um, hopefully we get some football. It still seems iffy if that's going to happen. Every NFL is going full blast. So sure, we'll see. I'm still kind of waiting to see in Ohio if they're going to allow high school sports at this point. I mean, obviously they've shut down most of college, Mm -hmm. um, but they've left the high school and under season still open. Um, I know a lot of the parents where I'm coaching right now are, are very supportive. Uh, We haven't seen a lot of kids pull out from last year just based on, you know, concern over the virus. Most of them seem pretty upbeat and, and ready to roll. So, I mean, that's, that's exciting, right? But it's definitely not <clears throat> college or NFL where you still have the yeah. ability to do more lockdown. It's, uh, you know, and limit what they're exposed to. It's going to be very much, you know, any given Friday at that point. Sure. And very dependent on parents being smart with what they do with their kids on the weekend and the evenings. Yeah. <laughs> Right. You're yeah. uh, Johnny, you're not allowed to go see your, your best friend that does not play football with you. Sorry. That's Sorry. just not going to work tough. for us. Yeah. It's interesting seeing how different governors are enforcing different rules. So North Carolina, no fall sports until November 4th. I don't know where November 4th came from, but I heard yeah. February for, uh, I think football in the state, but yeah. so interesting. Still keeping up a little bit. All right. Um, so with that, let's go ahead and uh, sign out for the night. We certainly appreciate everybody coming in and uh, taking a listen. We'd love to hear your feedback on things. Um, you know, there's a lot of interesting debate going on out there around the sports world. And that was, I think, everybody's way, right, David, of getting away mm-hmm. from what happens day to day. So we'll just see what happens, but uh, chime in, tell us what you think, uh, hit us up, uh, you know, Facebook, Twitter, email, voicemail. We've got it all lined up here. So uh, by all means, love to hear from you, but till next time. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to have your sports related question or comment featured on the show, please email us at sports talk garage at gmail.com. Also, if you want to keep up to date with us outside of the show, please follow us on Twitter at sports garage pod. If you enjoy the show, please drop us a five-star review and subscribe if you want to hear more. So for Chris back in the studio, David and Matt, I'm John, and we are the sports talk garage.